um, I heard a term the other day called spermageddon, right? And then yes. I, I looked into this in the British, Med- British Medical Journal that since, when was it? 1973, mm-hmm. sperm rates have declined by 52%, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this is in Western countries. So this is in North America, Australia, Australia, New Zealand, Britain. What What's the story? <laughs> Very good question. Um, this is something that's been covered in many different ways and avenues. And it's interesting that you said spermageddon because I actually attended a seminar entitled that back in 2020, literally just before uh, COVID had hit. Um, and the doctor was going through all the stuff about sperm and why the change. And exactly why Western countries. So as best as we can gather... And this is also covered in um, a book called Countdown by Dr. Shanna Swan, Swan, I should say. And um, she was looking at the difference between uh, different parts of the world and why there'd be a difference in the sperm. And what they found is that there's more exposure to environmental chemicals. If you're in a more industrialized or developed country, you're usually exposed to more. You're also, generally speaking, more stressed and consuming more processed foods Mm. by comparison to someone who's maybe you know, living more in the countryside and isn't ex- exposed to, you know, all the toxins and stuff that would be just with pollution, just normal stuff every day. But then is that avoidable? To an extent. So with sperm testing that I would do with clients um, or obviously send them off to get performed, but then trying to figure out how to address it afterwards, you would look at things like toxin exposure that would come through in the urine. So you can do urine tests that are very effective actually at picking up on any metabolites that they're not clearing properly or maybe clearing too much of. So where are they coming from? So first things to look at would be the type of work you're doing. So if a guy is, let's say, a joiner or a plumber or carpenter, any kind of DIY work or indeed engineering, even chemical engineering, if they're not wearing the right protective gear, which many of them don't, as I've had those conversations with them, then they're more likely to get exposed and then it's going to be harder for their body to clear it out. But equally, I've seen cases where I remember a guy from years ago who was desk bound, like he was just, you know, kind of corporate work. But I remember just to speak with him, he had a lot of, um, you know, hair gel products. I remember noting Mm. that and asking him about it and saying, so, you know, would you use that every day? And he said yes, and in a lot of those products would be aluminium. And when we did his toxin screening, his aluminium was off the charts. But why? Loads of people use those products. Then when questioned further uh, about his diet, lifestyle, daily life, we realized that he thought this is normal now, by the way, to have essentially very loose bowel movement each evening. He thought it was just his body's way of clearing out. He didn't realize that actually that was him having an intolerance to wheat. So the sandwich every day that he was having for lunch was causing a reaction in his gut, which just didn't suit him. And as a result, his body was less efficient at being able to clear the aluminium out. And that's why it accumulated in his body. But how does having your, how does your stool affect your sperm? Oh, it, because, well, it's more the aluminium that would. So the aluminium okay, was accumulating. Um, yeah. But actually your stool can, in the sense that if we're getting off topic slightly, but if you're talking about absorption and assimilation of nutrients, then of course, if you've got any problems within the gut, that'll have a direct effect on the sperm. Mm, yeah. yeah. Everything but, links. But you know, when people ask each other how they are, mm-hmm. people will talk about everything but their poo. Of course. <laughs> of no, course. It's, so, it's not dinner party conversation. <laughs> no. So, but but if you if you had a dog mm-hmm. and your dog was having mm-hmm. diarrhea all the time. You'd you, bring them straight to the vet. Of course. Yeah, Even absolutely. If, uh, or if had the opposite problem, you'd do the same. Mm-hmm. And, but things like poo mm-hmm. or erectile dysfunction mm-hmm. or s- sperm count mm-hmm. people don't talk about them especially fellas yeah let's say you know you're at a dinner party and you might say okay i'm not going to eat that thing because i have high cholesterol you'd happily do that yes but you wouldn't say i'm not going to eat that because i have a low sperm count i need to never. watch <laughs> never, <laughs> never. <laughs> so that's the problem you're absolutely right and when you consider that you know fertility issues are affecting at least one in six if not higher and it's 50 50 like across the board you know depending on which papers you look at it might say 40 percent male factor 40 percent female factor and 20 percent unknown you know they might put it like that but essentially it's it's 50 50 across the board but it's not treated that way when i am dealing with couples where um, you know one partner has sperm, the other has eggs, and they're going in for a consultation. I will regularly hear 
um, that the way the clinic is treating them, they'll ask all the questions to the person with eggs. They won't ask anything of the person with sperm. It's more like, your name, date of birth, okay, grand. Have you had a semen analysis? Moving on. There's no discussion really about it until they're far along the path. And frankly, are heartbroken, have spent thousands on fertility treatment that could have been avoided if they just did more comprehensive checks of the sperm first. Yeah. You see, the thing is, you, as you, you were chatting there in the kitchen, mm. you had kids earlier yeah. in your 20s. And most people now having kids at my age, which is I'm 41, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm only 42. So I know people that are going through IVF mm-hmm. and having challenges having kids. But whenever there is a challenge, mm-hmm. they'll never, people will just assume it's the woman. Always. Yeah. And even if it is the fella, mm-hmm. It, 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 she might even take the um, still she, take the brunt of the brunt of it exactly yeah. the brunt of it. Uh, is that changing? Slowly, very slowly. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking of some great pages that I follow on Instagram, like Testum Limited, um, and uh, the the Man Cave Kev, who who does this great show, the Eminem Show, which gets on a group of fellas to talk about sperm health. So it's slowly changing. Um, but not fast enough. I mean, I've been at this 18 years and I've watched over that time frame, given what you were talking about at the start with the drop in sperm count, the change in semen analysis parameters. So when I was initially uh, starting out, it was about 40 million per milliliter was the kind of threshold. Now it's dropped to 15 million per milliliter. Like how much lower is it going to get? Yeah. And that's based on, because if you look at reference ranges, that's based on what's the norm. So if 100 people if that's the norm for them well then that'll become the standardized reference range but it doesn't mean it's optimal it doesn't mean it's healthy mm-hmm. so it's a huge problem but unfortunately still is viewed and if you look at anything in terms of the targeting and like marketing online to do with fertility it's all targeted at women and in fact i only have to look at my following i have 98.5 percent female followers or those who identify as female so this idea that you know how can it be 50 50 if if the guys aren't getting involved in the conversation um and then it has a, a further and i suppose a more insidious impact which is that because it's not talked about if you then bring up the fact that okay listen there are some issues with the sperm it can hit them so hard. Mm. It can be really traumatic for them uh, because of, you know, rightly or wrongly, obviously I'd argue wrongly, this association with sort of masculinity and stuff to do with sperm health, which is of course nonsense. It's just like anything else. It's just like any other biological issue. You know, when we talk about fertility, I often advise people, I say, listen, if you had to go in for hip replacement, You'd be saying to people, oh, yeah, I've got a gammy hip. I've got to get a, a hip replacement. You wouldn't think twice about that or even talking about cancer. We are more comfortable talking about cancer than we are talking about fertility issues. Yeah. And it's just crazy. It's wild to me because it's the same thing. It's just a biological issue. But yet, for some reason, we internalize and, per- and personalize it. We make it our fault. Mm-hmm. You know, we give it that kind of context, which, of course, is coming back to probably, you know, Catholic country, shame, guilt, everything that comes when you're talking about fertility obviously it implies sex so that's why it's difficult for people to talk about because it just feels too intimate and personal yeah Yeah. it's it's like you said in your ted talk Mm -hmm. how when you're a young woman people will say don't get pregnant and when you're a fella i remember my mum would say to me remember carry a packet of three as in condoms and uh so don't make sure a woman doesn't trap you. I'm like, yes. what will she be trapping? <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> I'm 17 years old. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I'm a real catch. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true though. And you're absolutely right. I mean, that's what we were taught. And particularly because I'm the same generation as yourself. I'm 42. So I'm now, it's quite interesting, obviously, having you know, worked in this field over the last 18 years, I've gone from being sort of one of, at the younger tail end of it to now I'm at the older end, you know, in terms of fertility lifespan, that I can see, um, you know, most of my clients now would be younger, who I'd be dealing with, although I still work with plenty of people in their 40s, and it's really important to state that, that I've seen many people conceive, not just with IVF, but non-assisted with their own eggs, well into their 40s so 43 44 45 it is possible um but it's just unfortunately the messaging that's out there is so negative the focus is on eggs only ignore the fellas ignore the sperm so then that can leave both partners diametrically opposed from each other and that's really hard in the relationship um and really hard in terms of making progress because then they have that frustration of thinking god if i'd known this sooner Mm. then i wouldn't have wasted all this time you know and even when 
like again other couples that i know have one child mm. the experience is it's called secondary secondary infertility, infertility. um yeah. because and I, I don't know how much of a factor this is, but mm. I do know that when you become a dad, you become so unhealthy. Yes. Naturally. Yes. You know, you know it's um. There's actually a thing called mm. Covade syndrome. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's sympathetic pregnancy. Correct. Where men <laughs> will develop pregnancy symptoms like their mm. wife or partner. Um, now I don't know if that's just through proximity or similar lifestyle or what what it is exactly, but. I, I coach dads and I regularly say to them, like, your missus mm-hmm. is having a baby. You're not having a baby, mm-hmm. all right? When people say, like, I know it's a bit controversial, but, like, oh, we're pregnant. It's like, no, you, you're not pregnant. She's pregnant, She's okay? pregnant, yeah. So you, she's going to, generally speaking, fulfill a role which you can't fulfill, mm-hmm. right? And therefore, you have not, maybe have another role that you can fulfill. So say, for example, I will go... It, when she's pregnant I'll go to shop and get her a cream cake or she really wants she's craving a cream yeah. cake but I won't get one for myself mm-hmm. right because well, I might have a bite of, of hers because I, I think to myself I need to be like um, I can't I need if she she needs to be really emotional because mm-hmm. it's so important that she is for our other mm-hmm. our, our kids that she's able to look after them and she knows what they need but I need to be a bit more um Oh, how can I say this? <laughs> <laughs> like the provider, assertive, <laughs> no, but stable. a bit more like right. Let's do this now, yeah. and whatever. Yeah, yeah. But we need. We were chatting about this last night. How we need each other so much mm. to provide those two roles. Yes. Now, this this obviously, some women can have more masculine traits, and some men can have more feminine traits. Mm. But when you become a dad, you have to remember that you're still a human. You're still an animal. You still need to move. Mm-hmm. You still need to look after yourself the same way you did when you were looking for a woman like mm-hmm. when you're when you're a young man part of your a big part of your drive is to find a woman obviously of course right? yeah. so you're like i'm gonna go to the gym i'm mm-hmm. gonna eat well mm-hmm. i'm gonna dress a certain way or uh try and achieve well in my career so mm-hmm. i can attract someone and then once you have the the wife and the kid you start like you go into lockdown mode, you know, yes. like wearing, wearing your tracksuit every day and yeah. sh- shower every other day. And, you know, you're not going to the gym because like, oh, well, I have a woman now. And mm-hmm. what, what do I go to the gym for? And this is a big mistake. Yeah. A huge mistake. Or simply just due to being busy, as you rightly said. So secondary fertility struggles or indeed tertiary as well. Really important to outline that. I've seen people who mean, tertiary uh, for their third child. Okay. So people who desperately want their third or indeed fourth child. So it's really important to say that because so often I see people who might have attended fertility clinic being told, Sure, you're lucky to have the one. Sure, at your age. Do you know what I mean? Like putting people down for wanting to extend their family, which no one has the right to do. It's totally up to the individuals what they want to do about their family size. So with secondary fertility issues, one of the matters that I always remind people of is that prior paternity is no guarantee of current sperm health. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that should be emblazoned probably as on a billboard somewhere because people just aren't explained that. So I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've seen who've attended and spoken with consultants at clinics who said, oh, well, you have the first one, so it's clearly not him. Like, that's literally how they phrase it. We'll move on to there must be something going on inside. Maybe it's because you had a C-section, so there's some problem anatomically. Maybe it's your hormones. Maybe it's your age. You're older now than you were before. And I've had women being told this who were in their 30s, you know, mm. so like not well into their 40s or anything like that. So this idea that sperm just has everlasting quality is nonsense because it's made afresh every day Mm. so it's actually far more vulnerable far more exposed to damage than a woman's eggs are because we've had our eggs since birth so in fact since Mm. in utero so therefore they have to be very well protected the sperm on the other hand because they're made afresh approximately every 74 days you normally give sort of a three-month window in terms of prep that's why it's so important to prepare properly when trying to conceive so because of that time frame whatever happens to, in a guy's diet and lifestyle, everything from being sick, you know, so obviously with, you know, the pandemic or it's come back a bit in the last few months, people would have said, oh yeah, I had it again. Well, did you have a fever? In other words, raised body temperature because any heat damages the sperm. Mm. So there's lots of things. So anything that happened for the three months prior will impact the resulting sample. And we also know from the research that advancing age affects the sperm as well. It's for guys too. It's not just for women. So it's just really important to understand that because I've seen this one thing waste so much time for people Mm. where they're just going down the rabbit hole with doing all the investigations. The poor woman's being poked and prodded and having every blood test investigation imaginable. And meanwhile, they, if, if at all, they might've done the semen analysis. They haven't done what's known as a sperm DNA fragmentation test 
which is helping you to identify the actual genetic quality of the sperm, whether there's been any damage done to the sperm. Uh, so just to be clear, it's not that you're carrying a genetic marker through. It's not the same as a different test called a karyotyping test, which would be a blood test, which is for things like ruling out cystic fibrosis, you know, stuff like that. But the DNA fragmentation test, what's happening is there's damage occurring to the DNA of the sperm when it's lying in wait so when it's actually sitting in the epididymis before it's used that that's when the damage can occur so even things like uh, it's called the one day abstinence protocol so making sure that ejaculation is happening like at least every second day is important so the sample is fresh as therefore there's less likely to be damage but it's just if people could understand how many things there are how many steps to take it's not just about avoiding wearing light you know tight underwear or something <laughs> like that because that's usually all people are told and avoid fizzy drinks i mean that's all well and good for sure but it goes a lot deeper than that because uh, a person might have secondary health conditions might be on certain medications might have experienced you know trauma to the groin as a child that could have impacted the function of the testes so yeah there's a lot that has to be looked at so if you're married or mm -hmm. you're in a relationship that for a long time, and let's mm -hmm. say, hypothetically speaking, <laughs> you have sex once a week, <laughs> like okay. my friend Kelvin Doyle does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. Uh, what, like, should a fella then masturbate in between? Correct. Yeah, very important. And frankly, if you're actively trying to conceive, once a week is not going to cut it. And again, this is something that's embarrassing for people to talk about. But if you're talking about trying to conceive non-assisted, so you're not going for IVF or something like that, although I'd still argue that it's important for connection as a couple and intimacy uh, to still have that time together, because sometimes I think people, if they've been trying to conceive for a long time, and obviously that can impact that side of the relationship, um, they just go off having sex. They just decide, well, it's fine. We're doing IVF now, so we just don't even need to do that anymore. And that can be very destructive. So you have to be mindful of that. But if you're trying to conceive non-assisted, then from the time the period is finished, so let's say from around day five, you really want to be trying to conceive every second day, like mm -hmm. day seven, day nine, day 11, maybe daily in around the time of ovulation if the woman knows when she's ovulating, because that's key, because the sperm can survive for at least three to four days. And I've seen cases where it can actually survive up to a week. I had that proven in one case just because of she knew exactly when they tried because her, her husband had gone away for work um, and we knew from scanning exactly when she ovulated. So we knew it had been a week and she got pregnant on that cycle. Whereas the egg, once it's released, can only survive 12 to 24 hours. That's it. Mm. Game over. So this idea of, you know, timing with ovulation predictor kits, smiley face, okay, must try to conceive now. <laughs> you know, that's a bad idea because you want to actually have the batches of sperm lying in wait for the egg rather than trying to time it to when the egg is released. Yeah. So therefore, as long as the, the woman's up for it, um, mm -hmm. it, it's ideal to have sex as much as possible, I assume, as frequently yes, as possible. Yes, as frequently as possible. Certainly in the kind of late follicular phase coming into ovulatory phase from, like I said, from about day seven up to day, could be day 18, 20, dependent on when a woman is ovulating because some ovulate a bit later you know some of it earlier yeah and and that brings me to the <clears throat> the point of like libido for fellas mm. because um obviously it's going to differ uh depending on the man's character and just how it, his nature mm -hmm. but i have found that if i stop exercising my libido mm -hmm. goes down even if i skip a day and i i i with the program i do with these other dads mm -hmm. i say to them look you know yes you are married or you have mm -hmm. a partner you've got kids or whatever but you gotta remember like that you are a couple. Mm -hmm. And I think the couple comes before everything else because yes. you're, you're the rock of the family, both of you together. Mm -hmm. And what bonds you more than anything is having sex. Yeah. The, 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 what I've heard from other lads saying mm -hmm. is that and maybe this is an effect of pornography, but their view of like having sex, especially mm -hmm. younger lads, is, is very kind of transactional mm -hmm. and almost like it can be kind of quick and on the, you know, on spontaneous. Mm -hmm. But generally women especially if she's a mother and she's just put the kids to bed and she's in that mum mode you've got a wooer yeah you know she can't change gears <laughs> just like exactly that. yeah She'd still be thinking of the shopping list and her work and whatever's happening with the kids it was just like no it's yeah. too much yeah. exactly yeah so you have to have that nurturing side mm. you know and do that but as a, as a fella um you know with i was reading into this about erections and how i used to think an erection was just and i could be wrong here but mm. uh was just the blood goes to that area, it stays there, and then it goes away. Mm. But what I heard, and maybe I don't know if this is true, but the, it's basically a constant flow. So when mm. the penis gets filled with blood, it, it keeps 
flowing into that area. Mm. And this is why I say to fellas, look, every day do something. You don't have to be lifting weights. You could do jiu-jitsu, you mm. cycle, mm-hmm. you could run. Something to get the blood moving around the body, the body working as, yeah. as a unit. Because then think about it. When you have sex, that's a physical act mm-hmm. that involves sometimes like lifting yes. and yes. carrying maybe or yeah. like, you know, um, Move it. Well, it's a more it's a more active <laughs> thing. Let's, let's be frank. It is more active for it the male. It depends yeah. how you know how yeah. much effort you're putting in, I yeah. suppose. But um, but the bottom line is, if you exercise and even just do 10, 15 minutes, you'll be amazed what it would do for libido. Yes. And this is, we talked about this earlier mm. about environment. Mm. Like trying to exercise at home mm. when the kids are jumping on you is a disaster. It's really difficult, yeah. You, yeah. You, you're not playing with the kids mm. properly. You're kind of ignoring them. You get frustrated. You're not having a good session either. Mm. So pay the, pay the money, 30 quid a month, whatever mm. your gym membership is, and go to somewhere, maybe like Westside Gym, yeah. <laughs> where the music's pumping and you can remember that you are, you know, you're going to kind of, as I say, like beast mode. Yeah, this is the other side of you. Yeah, because you, at yeah. home, you're the nurturing, caring, patient dad and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, husband. But then you need to tap into that more animalistic side of yes, you. Because then when completely. you have sex, that's what comes out. Yeah. And know? it's it's so key because it affects testosterone levels. So because obviously I'd be seeing the bloods of all the clients that I'm working with. And it's it's quite interesting, actually. I spoke to an andrologist about this before. That's just a doctor who specializes in male health. And he was saying how frustrating it is for him seeing the the blood results because the range for testosterone is really quite broad it goes from about eight to about 22 depending on the lab assay method so you know i had a guy recently and his level was 8.5 so it hadn't been flagged because it was within the 8.5 and it can be up to a thousand no it can be up to 22 Oh, 22, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. 22, in this particular assay method. Okay, okay. So that would be the standard one. I'm trying to remember what the actual measurement is, whether it's PMOLs, I can check. But so, so basically, his was very low in terms of the range, but it hadn't been flagged as such because it was technically still within the reference. And I was trying to explain to him, which is what this andrologist was saying to me, that he's working with guys in their 30s and 40s who he claimed had the testosterone of men in their 50s or 60s. In other words, he said anyone who's in their 30s or 40s should still have a testosterone well into the high teens. So, you know, should be like over 16, 17, um, and ideally around the 20 mark, that the testosterone should be at its peak, not dropping off the wagon, unfortunately. And we see this because, exactly as you said, particularly for uh, a father who has the firstborn and then life is busy, everything changes, and they may be struggling to have their second and of course, what happens herself goes off for her tests and thinks that, OK, it must be on my side. But actually, because of being sedentary, uh, you know, sitting at the desk or then sitting on the couch in the evening, being clambered over by the child or just crashing into bed, you know, at eight o'clock, because that's all you have the energy for. Unfortunately, this has becomes like a vicious circle where the lack of movement, the lack of exercise, and particularly resistance training, because obviously the muscle mass is so important for the testosterone, and guys have a daily output of testosterone. So in the morning is when their testosterone should be at its peak. Hence why, actually, if you're talking about timing to conceive, the morning time is usually better for the guys, even though it might be the case that they don't get the opportunity until the evening. So it's important to be mindful of that, that whether it be getting out, going for a walk in the morning, even just getting the sunlight on your eyes to sort of get the balance of melatonin sleep hormone which again will affect your circadian rhythm and testosterone that if you can do some morning training or even uh, do something like bringing the kids you know or firstborn to the park and you're on the rings or you're on the, I mean I've seen many guys do that they're like right well I'm just going to do some pull-ups on the monkey bars yeah. while while my child is on the seesaw because where else are you going to fit it in? Mm. If we have this attitude that you that you must have to have your big bag of gym gear and disappear to the gym for three hours, it's just not going to happen. Mm. You have to learn to be speedy. And I remember even when my kids were small, because it was a struggle, uh, and I was saying this to a client the other day because she's trying for her third and and herself and her partner they're both struggling with fitness I'm like well whenever you're down you know changing a nappy lean forwards do a little push push up (laughs) as you give them a kiss you know or if you're in the kitchen it's just like do some squats while holding them and throwing them in the air giving them a hug like you have to find the ways of making it easier for yourself Mm. um because otherwise it's just not going to happen and you're going to suffer the consequences yeah and I think a big problem is seeing things on social media that seem so unrealistic (laughs) like you see, oh, this is a day in the life of me. And I say, <laughs> I wake up at, like a minute before my alarm and then I meditate for 10 minutes, then I have a green juice. And then I, you know, look, get the sun in my eyes and, mm-hmm. and then I do an ice bath and then I work out for two hours. And then yeah. I do, it's like, 
personally speaking, mm. I wake up when the babies wake up. <laughs> Get every then I, shred get, of sleep. Then I drag myself to the coffee machine <laughs> while trying not to wake the wife up. <laughs> yes. And then I take the kids out to the gym. I'm lucky to have a gym in my house or a separate to the house mm. out here. And I put on Winnie the Pooh while I do, try and squeeze a 20 minute workout yeah. maybe before they get restless. That's the reality. But yeah. as you said, like um, mm-hmm. if you could do five minutes in the park and the five, and sometimes you think like, oh, mm. it's um, I'm not doing my hour workout mm. or 45 minutes, but that that's all going to add up. And again, what social media is, there's body dysmorphia for fellas. Yeah. Like, mm. Do you think to yourself, okay, I've got a dad bod, you know, the belly, as it were, uh, and then I want to get in shape. And you look online, and you see guys that are on steroids. They're on a, a t- 100%. T- testosterone replacement, they're on that. Mm-hmm. And I, even last year, Jessica, I was at a gym, or I won't say where, mm-hmm. um, and there was lads in their 20s on testosterone. Yeah. Like, talking, talking about it openly, what, what does that do for your fertility? Great question. And it's such a huge problem. I mean, what you touched on there with social media, that's huge. So we really have to acknowledge like we, I mean, you put into the terms of the highest category of risk would be like teenage girls, let's say, is what we would be most concerned about. But we can't ignore everybody else. So it's not just females, it's obviously guys as well, who are seeing these examples of uh, you know what's it called it's like hyper masculinity um, and thinking oh great so I'm failing at life already you know there's no point <laughs> in even trying and it's just such nonsense and so when you're talking about the steroids and testosterone I've, I've actually seen that uh, increasingly so because it does seem to be amongst a younger demographic um, and what I'll often hear is they'll admit oh yeah I had my sort of crossfit training phase and yeah maybe I did some steroids but that was years ago so that's fine they don't realize the long-term impact it has dependent on obviously dosage and how long they tape them for and actually that was something I was talking about with that andrologist as well because he would see that being a huge problem um you shouldn't be taking testosterone unless you're under medical care that's that simple and unfortunately now at the black market it's very easy for people to get their hands on it I know because I've spoken to people who are doing it I'm like well did you do your bloods first do you have any idea what you're doing do you understand the interplay between testosterone and DHEA and your free androgen index they don't know so it's it's you're playing with fire if you start doing that because for a couple of reasons steroids will obviously hamper gonadal function so we know that i mean that's widely known i think even in the arnold schwarzenegger documentary he was talking about that so you don't want to be messing with steroids um it also to be frank doesn't actually do much for your performance in terms of physical strength performance it's purely visual for the most part so so just because you're able to crank out one more or two more reps um, you're not actually getting as good functional strength. And they've looked at that in the research. So people think that, oh, it's making them, you know, really strong. But overall and over time, it's not. And it will undercut your performance over time because of the impact of steroids, because we're just, we're not supposed to be taking them long-term unless you've got an autoimmune condition. And then there's the testosterone. So again, if you're giving your body testosterone, what do you think the message is going to be for the brain to the testes? It's going to be like, oh, we don't need to make testosterone anymore because we're receiving it. It's already coming in. So then if for whatever reason they stop it suddenly, it's like pulling the carpet from under them and they will notice big impact on their overall health and in fact huge depression that's one of the most common when symptoms you stop taking it. yes if the if the, you suddenly stop testosterone it's put people into a black place where they just can't cope at all their moods they hit rock bottom essentially um and then therefore they feel like well i can't be off it i have to go back on and they just don't understand the nuance um and how much goes into it in terms of their overall hormonal health and nutrient levels and training and sleep and everything uh so unfortunately they're relying on the drugs instead the thing about taking even if it doesn't give you strength as you said extra extra strength looking impressive Mm. is a marker to attract the woman so Mm. like you know it's so hard to like have a career in your 20s and make money Mm right yeah. but if you and and having a good career or a good job title or a nice big car or a house mm-hmm. you're not going to get that in Ireland yeah. anytime soon no. um you're uh that's going to signal to a woman okay this guy has resources he's mm. capable but it's so much easier just to inject something and mm. if they if you look impressive like they could they will women some women will think he has discipline mm. right yeah. he can stick to something mm-hmm. uh he's healthy yeah. You can protect me even though I don't need it in modern mm. society, but I still it taps into that hardwiring of protection. 
And all he has to do is just inject himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're going to get um, admiration from fellas, mm. attraction from ladies, maybe. And uh, but but that that shortcut, as you said, is going to maybe lead to to long term. Um, would it be long term infertility, or can you yes. get it back? No, it can be long term. It, it can. It depends again on for how long they were doing it, the dosage, and the particular physiology of that person in terms of the impact it would have on their gonadal function. But yes, I've seen cases where they're attending me now in the thirties and forties, but they would have done it in their twenties, and they're still struggling to get back to where they were before. Mm. You know. You see, as as a dad, you you you. That's kind of a. That world is foreign mm. I, because I do jiu-jitsu and I'm around a lot of younger lads, right? So yeah. I, I hear these them talking amongst themselves. But with dads, you find yourself in this kind of haze, as mm. you know, like really young kids, and you're not sleeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you wake up, and because you're not sleeping, you want energy. You want energy, you get the energy from food, mm. and the food you get it from is ultra processed. Mm. And then because you eat ultra processed food, you don't want to exercise you you don't have you can't um um and then because you're not doing that then you're not sleeping and it becomes that cycle right so you you have to break that cycle and therefore and i've noticed this with the lads i I train as well you have to be honest with yourself and say like i jessica i'm i do this for a living Mm -hmm. right my job is to be fit and healthy i teach health and fitness (laughs) But still, and I've got a brilliant, amazing wife. Mm. I still have to negotiate with her sometimes. I go, Rach, can I can I take half an hour to exercise? Yeah. And I feel like it's I'm I'm taking the piss, and like yeah. it's like it's a luxury. But and I'm it's talk- critical. Yeah. So it's this critical. is actually every Sunday I do like a roundtable with the, the other dads, mm. and this Sunday what topic I'm going to talk about is reframing your mindset mm-hmm. to be like this is not a luxury, mm-hmm. this is a necessity for you for your wife. Uh, and for your kids and mm-hmm. and then maybe for your grandkids. Yeah. I don't think people understand quite how important it is. I mean, I know that my focus is fertility, but honestly, if I had a second career choice, it would be fitness. There's no question because that's how passionate I am about it. I always have been since I was a teenager. I was into fitness, but I didn't understand at that time the difference between fitness and health. So what you were saying about the look, you know, the look, it, it demonstrates that they, the discipline, but it... it belies what's actually going on underneath the surface because I've seen people who are super fit but aren't healthy and are struggling with their fertility I've seen triathletes I've seen uh, semi-pro athletes actually I've seen MMA fighters um, as in on the female side as well because their periods have gone and similarly for the guys as well because the testosterone and the steroids and what people don't realize is that what you're doing now in your 30s and 40s genuinely is going to impact you for your 50s 60s and beyond you were literally, it's like laying the foundations of a house. And it's something which, I mean, I know what you were saying there about finding the time. That conversation is something I have with my husband every Sunday. It's like, right, this is our week ahead. What's your week like? Right, so these two days, I'm getting to the gym at this time. You collect the kids, I'm doing this. So it's, it's where we start from and everything builds around it. And yes, there are occasions, like sometimes at my work, you know, because I run programs, fertility programs, it might be a particularly intense two weeks. So yeah, I might only get out for walks or something for that time frame, but that's rare. Like if you're looking at the course of the whole year, I know that, you know, I'm pretty much 90% on consistency and the 10% might be off if there's busy times or Christmas or whatever. So it's, it's understanding that it is and supposed to be a part of lifestyle. And for those who aren't, in fact, I was speaking to a client the other day and is explaining to her about her low testosterone because it affects women as well. Yeah. And and I was saying that, listen, you need to be doing more of the resistance training. You need more strength work. None of this just endlessly doing cardio. And she's like, oh, I know. I just don't really enjoy that type of workout. So if you don't enjoy that, you need to find ways of making it more fun. Um, doing, you know, certain kind of boot camp style classes or something that includes it, but it feels more invigorating and less boring for you. Because let's be honest, you know, counting out reps for people can be boring. Uh, it depends on your mindset. For me, I love putting on the headphones and listening to music and I'm in the zone. Yeah. So that's my time. So I've no problem doing it, but I appreciate for others it can be boring. And in fact, when I think back, you know, probably my late teens, early 20s, I remember looking at the gym thinking, that's boring. So yeah. why would I do that? I'd rather play sport where I'm running after a ball. <laughs> There's a purpose, you know. So it, you have different phases of your life, let's say. But I think when you look at the stuff that you go back to, you know, because we were talking earlier, um, I 
done yoga since I was 18 and that's always something I incorporate at the end of my training practice just to make sure I'm still mobile getting older so it's not just about I just want people to understand it isn't just about being big and strong you want the balance of all the aspects so it's it's the strength but you also want the uh, explosivity you know so you want to be able to like jump onto a box you want still to be able to move and people think of this as just visual Mm. but you know if we're talking to dads out there I mean, have you ever seen those videos? Uh, There's some of these amazing videos online where, um, you know, a child is about to encounter a dangerous situation. Like I remember seeing one of the kids on a tricycle and is about to have a head-on collision and the dad sprints down and saves the child, right? So there are those moments um, and I've seen them happen. You know, my husband saved our son from nearly, uh, almost would be like a spearhead tackle. He nearly had fell head first off a high slide from the top and my husband saved him. I remember thinking, you know, would someone else have been able to do that? But he moved fast and he's strong, so he was able to save him. So I I think, not to sound too primal about it, but there is a reason for this. It goes above and beyond visuals. It is about practicality, functionality, how you live your life. And frankly, the fact that muscle tissue affects everything and our brain function, our mood, you know, our cravings, it's everything. But I think it's like that lady, that patient Mm. you're talking to or a person you work Mm. with saying how she doesn't want to do the the Mm. weightlifting. I I think it's so important to remember that, like, say you did yoga for years, right? And a big part of yoga is meditation. But I have found loads of fellas that I meet, including me, don't like meditating. Mm. Like, actually, meditating doesn't just... Um, it doesn't relax us. It actually makes us more stressed. Yes. I'm like, I should be able should to sit be. still. Yeah. I should be able to not think. But in fact, um, what can be therapeutic for me, definitely, mm. I love resistance training. Mm. It's therapeutic. And jiu-jitsu, I mean, forget about it. Like yes. when I do jiu-jitsu, I leave, and although I'm like still low in the rankings, <laughs> uh, when I leave, I'm like, I want to tell the world. Yes, you know, because, know. Um, and because you said that about being primal. Yeah. Th- being normal life is actually strange mm. but but things like jiu-jitsu having sex mm-hmm. dancing for no re- you know whatever. yes that sounds like you know like dance like no one's watching yeah. <laughs> love like you've never been hurt but it is but, more yeah. inherent but, in but us that, yeah. but that's actually like natural yes and that is, that is should be considered mm. to be normal mm. so when i say to rach i'm going to work out there's many reasons why but one it's therapeutic yes i feel like you know, you're breathing, you're moving, you can like visualize the mm. muscle working and the blood, you feel the blood flowing. It's, it's amazing. I think because when I was younger, I used to party a lot and do a lot of um, illegal, well, like kind of thing, you know, like <laughs> yeah, fun things, <laughs> alcohol plus other stuff, right? That like exercise gives me that. And I've actually met so many people are like, used to be big, party heads back in the day mm. and now they're like into spin class yes to get the same <laughs> to, high to get the same well high. you're absolutely right and it's, it's just there's a few things you touched on there because i know we were talking beforehand uh a number of years ago because my whole family did jiu-jitsu as in my husband and kids and myself um but i stopped just because of the time frame and getting injured which doesn't suit my work but something you said there made me think of i remember for the warm-up for jiu-jitsu um you'd start at the top of the mat and you're having to do like animal walks and forward rolls and cartwheels and things that I would have always done because I'm just basically a kid at heart. But I was watching adults just look on in horror going, what? This is what I did in kindergarten. I can't do this. And I, I realize how much we lose our sense of self as we get older. Because it's this idea of, you know, to be grown up, you shouldn't play, you know, but in so doing, we're actually losing our physical self completely Mm -hmm. and just being rigid, you know, sitting in a going from the car where we're rigid, sitting into a desk and there's just no, there's no fluidity. There's no movement in our life. So that's why when we're talking about exercise or the gym, I would often use the term movement with people and just say, look, it's actually about being in your body. And I think that's what you're talking about when you're doing jujitsu. Um, or anything rock climbing for example people describe the same high because it's just you in that moment and you must be present you mm. must be present because if you're not when rock climbing you'll fall off the cliff face mm. if you're not in jiu-jitsu you'll have to tap out you'll get caught so it's it's really important to bring something like that into your life um, and often I think the training 
getting in the you know with your programs just getting in the the short intense bursts of training that really is more like laying the foundation for then doing what else you love what else you want to do it's not that you have to be falling in love with the type of training it's understanding the difference that is going to make to your health to your lifespan to your fertility to everything Mm -hmm. you know the whole thing connects yeah lifespan as well i just finished uh, outlive by peter tia Mm. and um he talks about like the last decade of your life and what will that be like uh, and I see my my dad who built this thing we're sitting in right yeah. he built it from like your dad he can yeah. build from the floor to the to the roof yeah. and do the electrics he did the plumbing he did everything mm. um, I just carry stuff <laughs> <laughs> um, but but he I see him now with, with uh, my kids and he's you know he's able to get on the ground and pick mm. them up throw them in the air and all this kind of stuff he's 74 mm. um he, and I said to my dad the other day, Dad, do you ever have back pain? You ever had any back, mm. back pain? Never. Mm. And he shoveled and dug his whole life. Um, whereas I'll meet lads in their 20s, and myself included, I get a stiff, stiff back, right? And this is, th- th- there's a few reasons for this, but like, I don't, it could be diet, but like, it's it's not just lack of him, but also the same type of movements. Mm-hmm. That's the beautiful thing about jujitsu is the the versatility and yes. how like the vari the variety mm. in in the movement itself. Um, but I do think like this can't be as you said it. You kind of reframed it as movement. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because when you say exercise yeah. or gym, it feels like something you have to do. It feels like a chore. Uh, maybe yeah. it's the same way of people like. Okay, I've got a smiley face on my uh, my thing whatever well let's go and have sex yeah it, it becomes like mechanical or transactional yes, completely whereas you got a wife and speaking to the fellows or, or missus mm. um you got to dance with her you know like in the kitchen put on, mm. like yesterday me and rachel puts on some tunes we're just dancing around like mm. messing about um you know wrestle around with the missus like i don't wrestle with her that much but i wrestle with the kids yeah. you know and just ke- keeping that side of, of yourself because uh it's a bit like you said earlier, if you start thinking like you're old, you, you will become old. Yes, uh, very um, much so. I, I, I was so, it was so funny you say that. I remember dealing with a couple and um, this is back pre-COVID. So they were sitting in the chairs in front of me because now I'm fully online. But uh, he was kind of slumped down in the chair. Like it was a very, you know, even just his, his physical positioning. And we were talking through everything. He said, oh, well, I suppose, you know, I'm, I'm getting old now. I'm, I'm 37. I said, what are you talking about? I was like, no, you're not. Like, it just, it's such a mindset thing. And I think in our society in particular, like when I think back to when I was training over in China, I was working in a hospital there back when I was doing acupuncture. And uh, I, the running joke when I was speaking to people in the hospital was that I could not guess anyone's age correctly. And the doctors found this hilariously funny. So they'd be like, oh, so what age is this, this patient? I'm like, I don't know, 52, <laughs> 83. I'm like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. And it's because of what do they what do they do in their society that's different to ours? Because that's what I was trying to analyze. Uh, first off, there's the respect. And I, I do think this has a role to play in terms of the respect of each other, respect of environment, just kind of a, a dignity to what they would do uh, in terms of respecting how they prepare their food to their you know routine during the day um there was one guy i remember speaking to who was 83 and was giving out that he was starting to lose the the you know quality of the sight in his left eye he did not use glasses he was 83 no glasses he had all his own teeth i mean i can't think of anyone in ireland i'd think who would be in that position and i said to him so what do you do and he was very chuffed that i was interested and he said well i get up in the morning and i meet my friend in the park and we do chai chi we play chess together, you know, for the brain. We have a bowl of rice and vegetables and, you know, just everything was just so set and and natural to them in the way that they would uh, live their life during the day. So, and riding a bike, you know, so the natural movement in the day uh, was inherent in what they do. And that obviously has a big impact on longevity. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like we're kind of artificially putting movement in mm. and that therefore it seems like a chore. Yeah. But the other part of, what you mentioned about that older man uh, is that he met his friend in the park. Yes. Right? With community. Fella. Yeah. Fellas tend to like just keep themselves themselves. My dad has no friends. He won't mind me saying No, that. no, he's, my dad's the same. He's yeah. Billy no mates. <laughs> but, but yeah, friendly with everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, but he doesn't seem to bother him and maybe, mm. it, maybe it doesn't, so more power to him. But 
I think for most people, that's not a good... No, I think community is key. There's no question that we do better. Now, there can be balance to this. Of course, if you're meeting your mate and you just end up chatting for hours and you don't actually get any exercise done, then that can be a problem too. (laughs) We've all been there. But I see it in the gym. Like I'd see, like teenage boys always seem to train in packs together, probably just from insecurity and kind of finding their bearings. But there's these two guys actually um, in my local gym who'd often say hello to me because they train at the same time in the afternoon. And they're probably, one of them is about 60, the other one is close to 70, but both super fit. And when talking to them, their history is like they used to be personal trainers and everything. Mm. And um, they're just the best. They're like, it's like the ultimate bromance. Do you know what I mean? Like the two Mm. of them are just there supporting each other and like, you know, spotting each other for lifts. And it's that consistency. And you can see that if one is there, the other one's going to show up so as not to let his mate down. And I just think that's really important that if we could understand that if we have that friendship thing there to it. And of course, if you want your alone time, that's fine too. Mm. But I just think then it's more enjoyable. Then you're going to make it a part of your life. It's not going to seem like a chore. Yeah, but um, we we are talking about exercise a lot, but I I don't, like from Outlive the book Mm. by Peter Tia, he says with diet, it's a bit up in the air. We don't Mm. really know like what diet is best to follow and it can depend on your your lineage or your ancestry True. and what suits your body some people can eat certain foods have diarrhea some they're like constipated um but so we don't not we can't be 100% certain about um diet but most certainly exercise resistance training as you said not overdoing it but doing enough that you're getting that stimulus exactly. where, it's, where it's where it's nice and intense um I just think for for dads, it's something that when they stop playing football at 35 Mm. because of the knee or the back, whatever, then they think, okay, now my life is I'm the dad and Mm. uh, I identify as the dad and I -hmm. pay, you know, say like if their job, their role in the family is to pay the bills and mortgage, Mm -hmm. it's like they kind of become a bit, they almost become like the third child or, you know, and the mum is like, she's kind of, she's really in charge. Mm -hmm. I mean, I noticed my wife like, She'll ask me a question about something, and then I'll, I'll give my opinion. And I'm like, we're just gonna do what she says. Yeah. If it's to do with the kids and the family, it's like she's the Fine. boss, basically, right? Because she generally knows better than I do about how to run the family, um, which is which is fine. Um, but you can't. You got to remember, like, not to get lost and remember who you are and what what made you attractive to her in the first place. Yes, that's such a valid point, and I know because we were talking about this beforehand because I'm that little bit ahead just in terms of the age of my kids because they're teenagers now. But what you said there, you know, about, oh, they gave up and stuff. My husband had hurt himself playing hockey years ago. So then he moved to cycling and that was fine. Um, But then when the kids came along, so I remember he was about 32 because he's 43 now. And he would have started jujitsu at that point at 32. So the kids were young. So my daughter would have been what, about five or six, and my son was about three. And uh, he was just, it was like a a duck out of water, you know? It was so alien to him, and he'd come home uh, a sweaty mess, not knowing what was going on, probably with a graze over his eye, and I was like, what are you doing with this jiu-jitsu thing? And he's like, no, no, seriously, I think it could be good for me. And and it was (laughs) because it brought him back to himself. Um, And how, and I think this is really important to say for guys, that how you identify in yourself in your place in the world and your role because what you said there about you know it it often can fall that it's more the maternal provider who's who's kind of running the show taking care of the kids it can be hard for guys and I think we do really need to acknowledge that because much like with fertility when I'm speaking to a couple and then if there had been sperm issues discovered I'm having to remind the guy like look this is okay this isn't a blame game this isn't on you this is just a biological thing we've got to address and it's the same thing with your fitness getting back to that it is bringing you back into your sense of self. And I, I watch, I often joke with my husband that the 10 years he's done jiu-jitsu for is him going from a boy to becoming a man. Mm. You know, it really was that transition for him. <laughs> um, and equally, he was great for me when I'd had the kids. So I'd had my son at 29 and I just was all about the kids and doing nothing else for myself. And he signed me up for summer hockey. I hadn't played hockey since I left school. So this is like 12 years later. I was going, Jesus, how am I going to do this? But then I got on and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. But I wouldn't have done it for myself. So I think especially in a relationship, what you said, that kind of, and everyone has those arguments, you know, the sort of the tit for tat of like, who who's going to get to go? And it, well, I did this this week, so you have to do this <laughs> next week. You know, you have to be really careful of that because the last thing you want in a relationship is to become like griping with each other. Um, so that's why it's really important if you call it out beforehand, 
predict the week ahead and say, look, okay, I've got a really rough week with work. So can I pencil in this time, you know, so I can have that. Um, and I would have had the same conversations with my husband because jujitsu, as you know, goes on for hours. So I'd be like, listen, <laughs> here's the time. <laughs> so you have two and a half hours, get back. Yeah. Uh, but if you have that, that, that conversation, then you'll be able to create the balance and it won't become this source of contention, you know, because yeah. that's the last thing you want. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of silently resent each other. Yes, <laughs> yes, certain, it's awful. <laughs> it is awful, yeah, and that will build up. But then this yeah. is where sex comes in because it's like when you're having sex fairly regularly, you notice that that tension just like melts, totally, melts away. Totally melts away the tension. But that's where that comes down to the communication between men and women is so key um, because obviously, as you said earlier, you know, uh, if a woman is, is just had a busy day and, you know, whether it be a home life dealing with the kids or work life, whatever it might be, they're not just going to switch into that mode. And that's the difference, obviously, with the different testosterone levels, which fellas have. And incidentally, something I see a lot in the fertility world, which women don't realize, the women that I see who are stressed out tend to have low testosterone. And they don't realize that women need testosterone. In fact, this is an interesting one. We have more testosterone relative to estrogen. Than men? No, oh, no, no not sorry, than men. Sorry, sorry. Within I, ourselves, yes, within yes. our body. The ratio. The ratio. Yes, yeah, we yeah. actually have more testosterone. And women are shocked by that. They assume that we're estrogen dominant all the time. We're not. Mm. Um, so when we have really low testosterone, it affects everything. It affects the, the lust for life, libido. It affects even motivation and work. So how I put it to a client the other day, because I got her results back and her testosterone is like 0.2. And I said, so tell me, are you feeling that, you know, to quote the medical word, a bit meh? (laughs) You know, and she said, yeah, that's exactly how I'm feeling about life at the moment. I just feel totally apathetic, like nothing is getting me interested. I'm just flat, completely flat. And I said, that is your testosterone. Um, And that is why the weight training is so important for the females as well as the guys, because that's how the women are going to meet the fellas with their libido Mm. um, so that they're actually going to be able to be on the same page and not leading to these arguments, you know? Yeah. So if there was like a list of things that fellas could do to make their sperm count better, better <laughs> what, what would they be? Well, before I get into the list, very quickly, just want to outline for your listeners so they understand, it's not just about the sperm count, okay? So in a semen analysis, it'll tell you the volume, so how much semen, the count, and the important number is in millions per milliliter. So you want that, ideally for non-assisted conception, above 40 or 50, not just over 15, okay? The 15 threshold is for IVF or ICSI. Um, ICSI is where they inject the sperm. Then you have the motility, how well the sperm can actually swim. So you want total motility and progressive motility to be good. So in other words, how well the sperm are swimming, not just that they're casually swimming. So that should be at least around the 32 to 40% mark. And then you have the morphology, which is the shape of the sperm. So that's what you're getting in a semen analysis. And the sperm DNA frag is telling you the quality. So if you want to improve all of those things, the count, motility, morphology, and the DNA frag, I would recommend the following. So as a base, so these are what I call the non-negotiables. Sleep. Sleep is a priority. If you don't have good sleep, you won't have good sperm. You won't do well with your training. You won't, uh, you'll be craving three coffees before it's even noon. It's just not good. <laughs> I can see the guilty looks. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, sleep is key. Now, obviously, if you have young children, we know that can be a challenge. So that's where there can be the uh, sort of tit for tat where you're saying, right, okay, uh, could you be on night duty this night so that I can get a more, you know, a span of, of sleep time? Because if you're sleeping anything under about seven and a half hours and the research, they've shown that that can impact the sperm. So it's across the board. So sleep is the foundation. Then if you're talking about diet and lifestyle, that is really important. So when I talk about diet, it's not just about the what you eat, but when you eat. So as guys, definitely try to avoid starting the day with coffee without eating something as well first. Now, guys are a bit different to women in the sense that because of their testosterone surge, you know, they have a simpler daily cycle with the hormones. They can get away with the intermittent fasting a bit more. So fair enough, if they're having the coffee only, if they're going straight to the gym, if they're moving, that's cool. But if you're having the coffee to sit down at your desk, not ideal. 
because you're stimulating the body you're affecting i mean it's affecting um you know your insulin levels and blood sugar balance so you're going to release blood sugar or sugar into the blood i should say so that your body can use it but you're not doing anything you're sitting at your desk so and what's the classic thing with dads the dad bod the fat around the middle that you're just going to get those girdles because it's going to store it there thinking well you're not doing anything so have the coffee if you're going to train or going out for a walk but if you're just sitting at a desk i'd hold off i'd hold off on the coffee maybe until mid-morning um hydration obviously really important too a lot of guys just don't really think of this but remember depending on body mass so size and how active you are like usually for most people it needs to be a minimum of two to three liters you know and if a guy is sweating a lot if he is training then it could go as high as four or if not five depending on the size of the guy so just be very mindful of that and hydration remember with water uh, or with herbal teas but that's distinct from coffee you know, coffee doesn't get counted in that. Uh, not that, you know, coffee is bad. It isn't. Um, but certainly going beyond really more than two cups a day is where I usually see it causes problems for people because they're relying on that instead of water. And then they're just relying on it to stimulate them. And so they're on this high. But actually underneath it all, if you took away their coffee, <laughs> someone says, yeah, I have plenty of energy. And I'm so sure. Cool. So if I took away your coffee, how much energy do you have? And suddenly they're like, oh, no, <laughs> terrible. So so that would be foundational. And then within the diet, if you're talking about protecting the sperm you want to have as many antioxidants as possible simplest way to do that for most people is have a smoothie it's easy it's quick you can throw in your protein powder if you're going to the gym you know you can cram in celery kale whatever works i wouldn't try broccoli it's too bitter uh, but berries for antioxidants um you know it's an easy way of getting it in that you don't have to think about the cooking and obviously when the weather is colder you can still do that throw in a bit of ginger it warms you up um or have it maybe later in the day if you've had porridge or something more warming first um but certainly we can't overlook that i think we live in a society now that's so protein obsessed and don't get me wrong, I love my protein. In fact, my daughter has in uh, in WhatsApp written my name as eat your protein. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my mom num, my mom number. And so uh, eat your protein is very important, but we can't forget the importance of the fiber, the fruit and veg, and the antioxidants that come with it. Because it's those micronutrients, we call them, the vitamins, minerals, as opposed to the macros, you know, the protein, carbs, fats, that really make a difference to protecting the sperm uh, from what's known as reactive oxygen species or oxidative stress, which is unstable molecules attacking other molecules. And that's essentially what causes a chain reaction that causes damage. It's the same thing that causes aging in our cells. So you need to have the fruit and veg in there. And remember, the five a day is actually the minimum. Five a day was never aspirational. Five a day was enough to avoid deficiency of vitamins and minerals. Wow. Yeah, when I see people, they don't realize that actually you need to be hitting more like seven to nine. So if you can break that up during the day by saying to yourself, okay, in each meal, okay, if I had the smoothie or if I had like the fruit with breakfast and I'll have, you know, maybe carrot sticks and hummus for a snack, you know, just find ways to fit it in during the day would be a good plan. Okay. And then what about um, fat? like obesity how does that it say like how does that affect like what's a, what's a, a healthy range body weight or percentages it? so it's this is an interesting one when you're talking about bmi right so body mass index as most people are taught um is is really actually quite a poor barometer you know so for example if i were weighed um i would probably be in higher bmi because of muscle mass so I weigh way more. I was 57 or 58 kilos when my daughter or son was born. I'm trying to remember back. I'm now 67. I still wear the same clothes, mm. you know? So, so there, that's a difference Your of nearly 10 kilos. My composition has completely changed. Yeah. So I think for men and for women, we have to understand, I've seen women in particular, but also men be chastised, uh, judged, prejudiced against, refused testing and fertility treatment based on their body size. Whereas if you actually looked at their body composition, like at a woman before who did CrossFit, I mean, she could lift heavier than probably most guys that I would know. And she had huge body mass in terms of muscle mass as well as fat tissue. But she was being judged because of that, as opposed to having a proper understanding of the physiology. So I would rarely bring up or discuss, as it were, obesity in that sense. I would be far more interested in a person's blood work, how, are their, how they're sleeping, how's their bowel function, are they passing daily, as opposed to, you know, twice a week, which is obviously far more problematic for health, um, and that their nutrient levels are on point and their hormones. Because 
frankly, if you're talking about weight gain, that'll come from very many different sources and reasons. So for some, it might be injury and that prevents them from exercising. So that's obviously a struggle. Um, for others, I mean, it could be trauma. So, you know, I've seen women, for example, who would have suffered sexual trauma and that would have led to weight gain. So I just think it's really important in that context that we're careful with how we phrase it. Um, and just as a society as a whole, I think it's really important that we be less judgmental, yeah. you know, because people would be viewed as being the more successful, better person, literally a better person for being slimmer. And that's just nonsensical, you know? I, I, heard, I heard something. I used to think like language wasn't that important and people would say mm. like, you know, people live with obesity and I think, oh, just mm. they're obese. But then, mm. then I realized that if you tell, like when I was in school, I was told I was thick because I was, you know, I'd be, I would be like, if I was a kid now, I would definitely, they would say I have ADHD. Like ah. They would say that, right? Mm. But perhaps people would say, oh, oh, Kev, he's, he's, he's a good laugh, but he's a bit thick. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm the thick guy that's kind of fun, uh, funny and a good laugh. So then you, you kind of reinforce that yourself yeah. and become that real. So if someone says, um, oh, they're an obese person, they might think this is my fixed identity. Mm -hmm. But if you say someone living with obesity, it's it's um, kind of what's the word temporary, I yes. suppose. You know, it's, and, and it's they removing the personification from it. Yeah, yeah. and it's, I used to scoff at that and be like, mm -hmm. oh, come on, let's like not this is so like um, progressive it's language. Two PC, yeah, I understand. Two PC, yeah. but actually, it, I, speaking for how that has affected me, mm. it makes a big big difference. Huge. And you know, uh, people, if someone feels ashamed that and they think I'm an obese person, what are they going to do? They're going to eat more because that's that's their drug of comfort, mm -hmm. their choice of comfort. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's the same way like, you know, I was dating this girl once. I remember she was like, I went into town and she said, oh, God, look at all these junkies. Mm. I remember her saying that and it really stuck with me. I thought I, 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 I felt like repulsed by her yeah. saying that because instead of saying these are people with addiction issues you need you know, help. and they that could be you. Mm. That could be you on that on the street corner if you didn't have really good parents, exactly, or you weren't born in, in with your own house. Yeah, so like, privilege. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, you have to remember that um, in order for people to be helped, they have done feel empowered. I guess, yes. I guess, and supported um, completely. Mm. So, so yeah, it's multifactorial because exactly what you touched on there. I mean, privilege can affect the access that people have to to good quality food or fresh produce. I mean goodness knows we know the cost of everything now is just shot through the roof so Crazy. of course if people are going to be making a choice between things they might go for something that's more processed and maybe just not have uh, been given the knowledge that they would need in order to make good choices um, but like I said it can it can run very deep it can be to do with hormonal issues like thyroid problems it can make it very difficult for someone to shift weight no matter what they're eating no matter the calorie intake because of the hormonal imbalance and people need to understand that it is, should never be the case that someone of a higher BMI is equated with being lazy mm. um, it, it's just such an awful term to use and and as you said people carry that with them it's like the difference between saying you're a bad child versus a child who did a bad thing yeah, yeah you yeah. know we we have to be mindful of our language but yes to go back to your original question with um with bmi for sure yeah in some of the research it has shown that it can impact sperm um but it's really across the board so it's more about being too sedentary as opposed to just the BMI um, that can have the impact. But really, it's the overall picture of someone's health is what matters the most. Yeah, because you can be malnourished. You can be mal you can, like you can be too skinny or too Absolutely. like, you know, not have vitality, as it were. Um, There's so some of the hardest cases, actually, is low BMI that I've dealt with. Yeah. They're the hardest. Yeah. Low BMI in men Why and in that? women. Because, um, first of all, in society, you're told you're perfect, you're wonderful, you're amazing. In fact, it's aspirational. But when I've seen those very low BMI, they usually have malabsorption issues. So there, I had a guy before and he just was giving out it was as part of a couple uh, trying to conceive. And he was giving out that he couldn't put on weight. And I said, hmm. And I had him do, it's a simple test that I tell people, do a sweet corn test, basically eat it, see when it, you see it at the other end. Oh, yeah. His partner, because uh, she had problems with constipation, she passed it like 72 hours later. So major problem there. But he, eight hours, way too fast. His metabolism, he just wasn't absorbing anything. So I said, this is a problem. And it later transpired with further investigation that he'd actually picked up a parasite with traveling in South America that he had no idea about yeah. and was impacting his health for years. So, you know, we have to understand that 
don't judge a book by its cover you don't know what's going on underneath the surface yeah. and the same for women with very low BMI they can lose their period uh, low estrogen issues yeah they can be a problem yeah you've got to take a holistic approach mm. I think to like so check your poo yeah exactly <laughs> you know if you're not having sex too regular maybe masturbate yeah. um, you know and uh, and then obviously there's diet and, and um, or nutrition shall I say and resistance training as well mm. getting sleep is a, a fundamental but um yeah, I think uh, I think that is is something that if if people start talking about a bit more male fertility, it become just like cholesterol. It, yes, you know? and to move away from you know I've heard women say like if they can't have a baby, they don't feel like a woman. Same mm. way, fellas, if they can't get like it, people will often joke he couldn't get it up. Yeah, like awful. I just read a statistic that in in North America anyway, over the age of forty, fifty two percent of men suffer from erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's like. More people do than don't if you're over yes, 40. Yes, right? it's um, that common. It's my demographic. <laughs> I, was thinking, I have to remember that. I am but older. But back to what you said about blood flow. So true. So obviously if someone is getting in movement and exercise, which is as good for their mental health as much as anything else, because remember, if you're talking about erectile dysfunction, there's often aspects of that coming from a mental health perspective because of maybe pressure with trying to conceive. You know, mm. it's like, right, smiley face on the predictor kit the ovulation predictor kit must try and the fella just kind of is like this is too much pressure and it is too much pressure it's too much for any person to handle um so we have to understand that uh, there's that aspect to it but there's also the um fundamental cardiovascular function which is to do with nitric oxide which is uh, obviously a vasodilator will help with vasodilation um, it's essentially the same principle of what sildenafil viagra would work on um, and so you can include things within your diet such as like beetroot or beetroot juice would be a natural way of getting more nitrates which would be able to support your blood flow um, and we've also seen that in the research that the more saturated fat you consume the poorer the blood flow is um, if you're talking to the gonads. So that's really important as well. Across mm. the board, all the research has shown that the more Mediterranean diet, which is a bit more fish-focused, more whole grains, fruit and veg. Again, the protein is still important, but being mindful of having the good fats like olive oil, avocados, flaxseed, rather than just endless steak. You know? yeah, it, what's interesting is, I'm guilty of the endless mm. steak thing, is that because we live in Ireland, we live mm. on an island, mm. um, a lot of people that I've met that are not from here will say, why don't you lot, why don't you guys eat more fish here you know and the reason I, fa- I looked into this is because if you own land it means that you have money so therefore you can have cattle or livestock so eating meat was seen as a luxury so you'd eat as much as you could if you could afford to have meat and fishing was seen as something peasants would do because anyone could or. could do that mm-hmm. so that that's the reason and mm-hmm. i and i also think like there's a machismo thing about like Oh, I love me steak and eggs. I, and I'm yeah. guilty of this. I must yeah. say, like, Rachel, Rachel said to me, Kev, you're eating steak every day. You need to, like, chill and stay. I'm like, you're probably right. Because <laughs> too much of anything, I mean, too much water can drown you. So exactly. Too much of anything is not good. But um, I'm conscious of your t- of your time. That's okay. Um, so <laughs> it's if been pe- great. <laughs> if, if people want to find you, um, where would they go? Uh, they go to The Fertility Detective. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, and obviously my website, jessicaburke.com. But Instagram is where I'd be most active and giving people info. Um, and doing my Fertility Friday Q&A that I do every week where I give people advice. And then I've got my fertility programs as well that people can check out there too. You're busy. Yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks, thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. Not at all. Thank you so much.